0: It's finally here guys, it's our award special, Uh, we've been talking about it for a long time but yeah, we're delighted to have got through the first season of the Belgian Pro League as a podcast and what better way to celebrate than giving you guys our own team of the season, our players of the season, young player of the season, manager of the season, potentially even goals of the season. As always, I'll be your host Ben Jackson and once again I am joined by Scott O'Neuris. Scott O'Neuris, how are you guys doing this evening?
1: Let's hand out some awards. Scott always has to make a
2: noise in the intro from now on. It's just, <laughs> it's just a thing. And well, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I was in a long podcast on Sunday. On Monday, I had a really short one both guest appearances. Well, I have a feeling this will be a long one again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we, we're kind of famous beforehand for saying to each other that, oh, we don't think this one will be as long this week. And then it goes on for a while. This one, we've actually sat down and been like, no, yeah, this one's going to be a long one. So who knows, we'll probably be over in half an hour and it'll be like complete anti-climax. But we we'll hope not. Let's just get straight into it, shall we, guys? So as we've been kind of teasing, we are going to do a team of the season, just kind of laying a little bit of ground rules as to what we've gone for. We've gone for a 4 kind of bog standard four-four-two, very English football. Apologies in advance. I'm sure that a player that you think should be in this team probably hasn't made it into this team. But believe you and me, we have agonized over this for a long time. <laughs> Yoris sent us over a spreadsheet. Well, not a spreadsheet, kind of like a document today, which had about, was it, 72 players and every single team striker managed to get onto that list. So yeah, it's taken some whittling down. A couple of problem areas we've had. But let's start in goal, shall we? This will come as no surprise to many of you that have followed us all season. The guy we've gone for, one of our Favourite goalkeepers? Is Rafael Romo of OH UH Leuven. Scott? It's just kind of we kind of both said this from the beginning, didn't we? This is our goalkeeper for the for the team of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I first started thinking about this, or oh, probably round about a couple of months ago, he was the he was the first name in the team sheet for me at that point. Funnily enough, as goalkeepers always should be in a way. But yeah, I mean, personally, just just a no brainer to go with him. And I think my reasoning, and I know you guys agree with a lot of this, is that it's such a difficult position to to pick because you can't purely go on the numbers and the numbers are even more unreliable in this position than they are with any other position. So much of this position is entirely subjective and I've always felt that Rafael Romo has this kind of presence and influence about him that just has a very positive effect on the Leuven defence. Obviously, he plays in a side that doesn't have the best defence in the league, but so often um, the goalkeeper that tends to win awards with selections like this is the keeper who, for example, has had the most clean sheets. And we know that's not Romo, but I think his overall impact on the side and for his presence alone, because presence is just massive when it comes to goalkeeping, it had to it had to be Romo. A couple of honourable mentions for me, I would absolutely give an honorable mention to Yakers uh, who I think had a really good season, I think Van de Voort as well, another wee memorable shout out for, for him from me as well, because although uh, he's not been in goal all season I think to slip into that position when Vukovic left and be told, look, you're the number one now, go and, go and do your thing, I think he's he's really settled into that now and we're starting to, to see some form from him, it'd be great to see what he does next season, but absolutely, I mean, Rafa. Rafael Romo, definitely number one choice for our our goalkeeper.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree, Egwene. And like just on the on Van der Voort, and well, just to get the timeline right, of course he he already was in the chosen as the first goalkeeper before Vukovic left. So just to correct that one a little. But yeah, like that's just not enough yet to to yeah really have a shot this a season. Yeah, and like these are were also my honorable mentions. Maybe we should also still mention Coffee. We would probably have won it if yeah if the season would have stopped after two months. <laughs> or so
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, he was at the beginning he was putting up some wonderful saves I think for me it was Romo because if we go back all the way back to the beginning of the season Lurvin started I think they started with Darren Keating goal they had Everson from Leicester on loan they were kind of mixing between those two they just couldn't find a settled keeper and you could tell defensively that was just it wasn't helping them Mm. Romo comes in and I don't have the stats to back this up as Scott says are kind of difficult but I feel like they started to improve and become a better team when he came in they just had a little bit more presence at the back he like he clearly he's an experienced goalkeeper he's what like 31 he's been around he's played for a a ton of teams Um, if you look up his transfer mark they got him in on a free um, from Sikoborg in Denmark and yeah just fantastic signing he's pulled up some fantastic saves as well this season a couple of saves you are like wow like how has he managed to do that also just seems like a really nice guy. We've seen him like he's interacted with a couple of other accounts that we know of as well. Seems always readily available. Clearly very much enjoys his football and playing for Leuven and, and yeah, I think just the way he's improved that team in my mind is the best keeper. Obviously we differ a little bit here with the Pro League. Uh they obviously went for Simon mignolet who again he had a fantastic season, but we just felt on in kind of the, on the balance of things and depend like kind of what the keepers had to deal with in terms of what was in front of them, Romo was the one for us and, and I even dare to say
2: like he didn't really have that a fantastic season for his standards
0: as in Romo or Mignolet Mignole. yeah no I completely agree I think and that is saying something I think there's a lot of people who don't rate Mignolet maybe from his time in England and stuff but he's still a fantastic keeper but yeah I'd agree I think Romo for us kind of head and shoulders above uh, this season Let's move on to right back, shall we? Again, lots of options in this position. We'll definitely have a couple of honourable mentions for sure. We went for Clinton Matter of Club Brugge. If you follow Belgian football, you know who Clinton Matter is. Fantastic, fantastic player. One of the best players in the championship side. One of the best players in their defence. They had the best defence in the regular season by a long, long way. And he's definitely been part of that. Again, if you follow this podcast, you know that I've said it a couple of times. I don't know how he's still in this league. I just feel like he's got all the attributes you'd need to play at different levels and clubs should really be interested in. But for us, it's nice that he's still here. Again, for me, this one kind of there wasn't much doubt, despite there being other players. I always he was another kind of like Scott said, Roma was the first name on his team sheet. He was also on mine because he was the goalkeeper. But yeah, we kind of like you said, Scott, Clinton Matter was one of the first names on my team sheet. But Scott, who else did you have as a factor? for right back outside of just Clinton Matter?
1: Well, to be honest, and I'll let you into a little secret here, he was the first name I wrote down when I started throwing names at this for that position. And I never really kind of deviated from that, to be honest. I mean, I, I think there's a few names that you could kind of put in there. I mean, Munoz, Genk, I think, has had a has had a good season. I think uh, Bataille, Yelba Bataille, uh, Ustend, another one, uh, Murillo, Anderlecht. I think it's, it's they, they all, I think, um, there's an argument for. I, I just think, you know, there's something about the level Clinton matters at, you know, and you were just talking about, you know, why is he still here? Why is he still in this league? Why has, you know, an elite side in a bigger league Mm -hmm. not not gone for him yet? That's a very important question, because I think despite those other names I mentioned honourably, I think he's just on a level above them still. You know, he's kind of your complete modern right back. You know, he's he's excellent. His tackling's excellent. Ball carrying's very good for a right back. He is largely untouchable on in, in that particular position in this league. I think so. You know, it, it, might, it might take him getting a move somewhere else for somebody else to get a look in with that award in that that position <laughs> next year. To me, there's really not that much debate about it. Really,
2: my my one thing about that is um, against him is a bit more like his crossing is awful for the position he is in. Like his, defensively, there's no doubt, but like offensively, there's actually plenty of work in that uh particular area for him but yeah like i, I still like I, i'm not doubting this choice for sure but uh, what else uh i i wanted to ch- tra- show uh, throw a few other names uh outsider names in ck definitely had a really good season since he came in at on and i really had a Yeah, has a bright future for him.
0: Walsh at Mikula as well. Yeah, no, Walsh popped up with a couple of goals as well. Yeah, I like CK as an mentioned. I think he definitely deserves a mention. Uh, Despite Standard struggling much of the season defensively, they weren't incredibly good. Um, As I've kind of said to you guys a couple of times, I've never been that impressed with them defensively. I think as a young player, he's definitely a top prospect. But yeah, like I said, like you said, Scott, like you said, Joris, like, matter is defensively as well like just one of the best don't have the stats to back it up but whenever I watch him his one-on-one defending just seems really really good he doesn't just have to rely on his pace to kind of if he's out of position or anything he can get back in and make the tackles and stuff so he's a big reason why Club Luger have had success over these last couple of seasons it is because of him in there hmm. let's move on to centre-backs a lot of honourable mentions can be put into here <laughs> and lots of kind of duos I think we kind of disagreed with wasn't it guys there's lots of like centre-back pairings that worked really well together but we could only really maybe pick one or perhaps we couldn't pick either of them as will be the case uh, so the first centre-back I have written down here that again I'm sure we all agree on is Matter's kind of bloke that plays next to him in Club Brugge is uh, Kosonu, the young centre-back who arrived from Sweden a couple of years ago he's just been fantastic this season hasn't he just kind of playing beyond his years been an absolute rock at the back he's kind of been a mainstay at centre-back for Club Brugge this season as I said earlier they had one of the best defences in the pro league especially in that regular season maybe not so much in the um, playoff rounds but if we're taking the full season I think you can't have a team of the season without Kosonu I think it would be wrong I think lots of you listeners would probably question our opinions and kind of, yeah, what we actually know about the Belgian league if we didn't have Kassonu in. Alongside Kassonu, we have gone for Arte teata of Oostend. Yeah, again, a team that's just come out of nowhere and just been fantastic. And he's been a massive part of that. He's part of a duo that I think we have to give an honourable mention to the other one, but I'll let the other guys do that. So for us, we've been Kassonu and Teata. Tiata, he's got some goals as well this season. He's been energetic. He's been linked with a couple of moves away as well. And I'm not surprised. I think both these guys could go on and play at a higher level i think they've got that in them i hand over to you guys to kind of give out the honorable mentions because i know there's a couple in there there
2: are a few yes um well i'll i'll try to stick it because like as, as you mentioned in the beginning my list my long list um which is way too long obviously would you, like a sound, uh, but,
1: would you like a sound effect before you give us that list just to,
2: like, <laughs> gamma, yeah so the Another duo is uh, the Antwerp duo. Well, it's not really a duo, but like two of Antwerp's central defenders uh, or more central defenders. The Lats and uh, Sek both had a really good season, I feel, and uh, Standard also. Standard uh, Bocadi had a had a good uh, had a good season despite their defense. Well, there's the season they had, as well. And um, another one did that. Probably could have made the team of the season if he didn't get injured horribly. Um, With Anderlecht, uh, Hannes Delcois, he had a real Mm. breakthrough season in the Belgian league. Yeah, the the part that he played, he was very impressive. Um, But yeah, just not enough playing time for... Really making it into the squad.
1: I think another player as well. You know, obviously, obviously Arthur Tiati made made the final selection, but his teammate, his centre half teammate in Jack Hendry, as well. Honourable mention to him. Absolutely fantastic season as well. He's definitely worth a mention. And I think it's worth highlighting while we're talking about centre halves that you know defending is such a kind of unsung unsung football and art form. In its own right, as well, because you know we all love goal scorers and you know attacking midfielders and creative play, you know offensive football. But it's really nice when we, when it comes to recording an episode like this, you get the opportunity to not only kind of acknowledge. Uh, who you think the best defenders have been across the season for various reasons? But get to talk about those that have impressed you as well, because it's it's just it's yeah it's it's unsung. But yeah, I mean, I think I think yeah, it's got to be Costner and Teate T- T- and it'd be it'd be interesting seeing them play together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure there'd be
0: very strong solid partnership another player i've quite enjoyed this season i don't think he was that close to making it is emmanuel agbadi uh of casa urban as well i think he's had quite a good season at center back but yeah i think coseno and tiata they were kind of the standouts uh this year at, at center back left back guys this caused us a lot of headaches um <laughs> left back was definitely i think Left back and the next position we'll do afterwards were probably the hardest ones we had to do. So at the beginning of the season, I think it was like two months in when Charlois won on a high, some people were tipping him for the title. Yoris... <laughs> <Are you laughs> Yoris... no, I don't know, I don't know. It's just some, someone was. I can't remember who it was. <laughs> Yoris Kayembe was just on absolute tear, he was fantastic at left-back for them, up and down. He was like a real driving force for them from left-back. The season before, they'd had Nulio Fortuna, who'd left um, to Ghent in the summer. So they replaced him by moving Kembe into a left-back position from left wing. And he was just fantastic. And we have stuck with him. We've given him the benefit of the doubt, despite Chaloua's kind of indecent, probably a nice way to say about it, the second half of the season. We think that his kind of bulk of work over the season gives him that left-back spot. But it was tough. It was really tough, wasn't it, guys? There's a couple of names in there. I tried to stick Richie Delatin in at one point, and just because he plays left centre back, I was like, "That's close enough to left back." But we've gone with the Oris Kembe. Well deserved for him, I think. He has had a good season, having to adjust to that. It's just a shame, isn't it, that Charlois was so poor that he, we felt it's a bit difficult to give it to him, wasn't it?
1: That took the shine off it uh, a little bit. But I, I think when you look at it in context, you know, and you bear in mind is is age as well. Again, he's a bit like Mata and the. You know, I, I often question, well, why, why is he still here in, in, in Belgium? You know, I mean, he really should have earned a move elsewhere kind of by now, but, but hasn't, um, thankfully for us, because um, we're going to get to see him again. I, I've always liked him. I, I think his he's extremely good at, you know, defending one-on-one. So the, the basics of defending, he's just absolutely excellent at. You know, his, his tackling is good, his dribbling is good, his passing is good. It's all reliable, it's all consistent. Um, His interceptions are good as well He only scored one goal this season with four assists You know, you'd like a little bit more More than that But he's a real That aspect of being a good tackler And being able to carry the ball as well, in that position is is so important, and it's such an effective part of the offensive side of his game. I think his positioning is generally very good as well. He doesn't get enough credit for his positioning, and that's that's something that that's really important in that role. So, I, I think I think all round, I think he's a he's a good pick for this position. A position, as you were saying, Ben, has has provided us with with some real headaches,
2: sleepless nights, sleepless nights. Great, yeah. <laughs> to to also make that a bit more clear to the listeners, a few honour honorable mentions Kakache which is actually a serious one quite a good left back quite a good decent first season in the in in Belgium across the world for him uh, completely but my second option there is actually Castro Montes and that's on the left back and not on the right back that that's why I also didn't mention him on the right back but he only played there like for I don't know a few games in the playoffs I think (laughs) but he, he did perform well there and yeah, there was a bit of a scarcity of of sources there. I'm sure I will get crucified now by <laughs> some uh, listeners by because I probably forgot some someone very obvious, but
0: yeah i'm sorry for that but this was really yeah yeah it was really tough it was really tough i think kakache is one like i think contextually his case becomes even stronger when you take into the fact that he's what 20 years old from new zealand traveled across to europe during a pandemic i think it was what a load of waffle this isn't like just me saying this i'm pretty sure he pointed this out as well like how fantastic it is when you take that context around him coming over here into a foreign country starting at left back for a side that have struggled but he actually has looked pretty decent as well so he had a really strong case gavory as well was down there although i kind of as the uh host of the show kind of put my foot down about standard defenders making their way into a team of the season <laughs> i was like i'm not having that <laughs> but and i don't know he's not standards fans favorite player um if you ever see a standard defeat and you go and look in the comments under the twitter account <laughs> he doesn't get much love but he he is he's got, what is it, Scott, like nine assists this season, like that's a yeah. very decent number from a left-back position, some of his crossing has been fantastic, like I've seen a couple of his crosses, I think in the game against Genk that the really entertaining one before is that the Cup final preview, a couple of his crosses for, um, mm. I think it was either Klaus and Malekka's goal, and you think that the more of that you can do with Malekka, you're going to get a ton of assists if you just stick it at the front post because that's where he gets all his goals. Yeah, Scott any other thoughts on this sort of position?
1: Well, I was just thinking about what you were saying about Gavry there because I know he was he was the first name I'd mentioned for this position, wasn't he guys actually, you know, a wee while ago, a couple of weeks back and yeah, you mentioned his nine assists which is excellent but he's also, you know, thinking a bit about his performances across the season he's also a very good tackler and I suspect some of those nine assists are probably down to successful tackles in the last third as well that have led to Direct goal scoring opportunities. So offensively, again, I think a bit like Kaembe, that side of his game is, is is very good. So he's definitely worthy of a of an honourable mention, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, no, definitely a tough position for us to pick, but we're we'll going with the OS Kayembe. Um congratulations to him, he's made it in. So for central midfields, we Decided to mix it up a little bit, so we're going to have a more of a defensive midfielder than an attacking midfielder. Because at the beginning we just seemed to have these attacking midfielders, and the team didn't look very balanced. We didn't think it was fair on the guys that put in like the tough yards in the defensive situation. This one again caused us a bit of a bit of a headache. I have to say, a lot of names, a lot of names that should probably be in the team of the season. We just can't fit them in. We have gone with the young star of Anderlecht, Sambi Lakonga. Really, really strong season from him. Strong is definitely the word to describe him. Strong on the ball, strong at tackling. Absolute driving force of that Anderlecht midfield at times. He's been linked with Arsenal, I think it was today. Linked with so many clubs. We'd be very surprised if we see him again in the Belgian Pro League. But he's not the only name that we had on this on this list. So I'm just going to list them off and then we can debate this a little bit more. Uh, Hongler from Antwerp. I Yeah, I was a strong advocate of Hongler. Uh, But Sambi just nipped in front of him. He's had a really good kind of low-key season there. Rude Former as well. I know technically he doesn't play that much of the defensive position when you've got Ritz or Balanta in there. But we thought he's kind of in between the attacking midfielder and the defensive midfielder. So we'd stick him in there. 11 assists for him. Fantastic season. Sambi's partner at Anderlecht, Josh Cullen, again had a strong season. Uh, Brian Hinn of Genk, another good season. Usten's Diarpino, like... There's a lot of names for this present, guys, is not it? And it did. It did cause us a little bit of problems, but we've gone with Zambi Lekonga. Anyone else you want to chuck onto that list,
1: Scott? No, I think you've just about covered them all. And we, sh- we can let we can let listeners into a little secret, and that we did chop and change this particular position till very, very late on, didn't we, guys? It was a it was almost a toss up in the end.
2: Yeah, definitely. And like, I want to throw in a few outsider names. Um, yes, like <laughs> Dosh and uh, from mm. Hint, also a low key good season. Kulibali from Beerschot, a bit mm-hmm. the other way around. actually very high key, <laughs> if yeah. that's the word, but uh, in the beginning, but then uh, faded out, unfortunately. That's why he didn't really make, uh, well, really have a shot at it. His partner at Beerschot, Sanusi, uh, I know Benny's a big fan yeah. as well, had a good season. Skov's had a good end of the season at Mechelen. Well, actually, Rozovsky, like, he's also still if if han is mentioned i guess but they they're interchangeable in yeah. this uh in this position as well i think that's our most of my mentions and like there's still plenty that i didn't
0: <laughs> yeah this like, it's a tough position this one isn't it there's just so many decent players that have missed out there uh, for sambi but... and
2: it, yeah and you can fill it in so many ways and they're It's not that one way is better than the other or anything. So
0: yeah, you have to make a decision in the end. I think that literally was it, wasn't it? We almost left this one empty and we thought we just decided as we recorded. Um, That's how kind of up in the air it was. The next position isn't as much as up in the air. I think we kind of all agreed on this. But again, the names on this list, really, really strong. Any other season, they'd probably get into this. But our central attacking midfielder, we went for the French magician in a Javier Mercier what a season he has had for OH Leuven and Scott Joris like we're all kind of big fans of him he should have been in the French squad for the Euros they'd be absolute favorites for that because you imagine how many goals they'd score with Mercier lining up for that front the front line of France like oh it'd just be ridiculous wouldn't it 10 goals 11 uh, 15 assists sorry for him this season at the age of 31 he's still in the prime of the season still producing ridiculous levels or again we've got some honorable mentions on this one a man that a lot of people probably be surprised has missed out is rafa holzhauser so initially for me he i had mercy and holzhauser next to each other but that team would just ship so many goals like there's no balance there (laughs) so unfortunately holzhauser misses out but he did have a fantastic season Fantastic, fantastic season he had there. Joris, any other names you want to chuck into this one beyond Mercia because there's there's going to be a ton. Of
2: course, there's a. There, there, I'll I'll try to stick to the outsiders again, except like uh, uh, quickly mentioning Refailov, who won the Golden Boot, but actually didn't even feature really in this long list. Probably also because he he went out of the picture a bit early on in the season, uh, earlier than he would have hoped. Uh, to give another few names, Yul U- Yul Sager, mm. of Ostende. And uh, Amala from Standard again. Uh, Standard, yeah. He he, Standard wasn't really good, but he was consistently among their best players, even in uh, yeah the worst periods of time. These are the ones I will mention now. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think with Amala, it's you got to think about big goals as well. Like he scored some big goals for them this season. Not just big goals in terms of rockets that he fired in, but he scored some really important goals. And I think. Scott is I think it might be been you that says it. He just seems to score goals out of nothing, didn't he? That was kind of his kind of thing he'd hang his hat on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean he, he's he's um he's capable of the spectacular um Amala, there's no doubt about it. i, I... Just kind of talking the other week about his goal against Ghent and remembering and seeing Mbola's reaction um, <laughs> when him, uh, mouthing the words how can he even do that which, which kind of says it all really. Another player to throw into the honourable mentions for this position who, who went off the boil actually after an unbelievable start but just because of the start and, and because of his natural ability I think uh, Morioka mm. um, at Charleroi is worth a wee honourable mention because he, he's a fantastic player who when he was playing in this position and on form, he was as good as any of the guys we've mentioned as well.
0: I think, yeah, we could also kind of do an opposite of that, couldn't we? And Thorsfeld uh, of Genk, he could be the opposite yeah. of that. And in yeah. the back end of the season, he was on absolute fire. It's it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because you've got to think, OK, who's been consistent? Because it's very much the immediate, in our immediate mind, it's like, oh, yeah, Torsevelt was like fantastic. But when you look over the bulk of the season, I think Mercier and Holzhauser were kind of the two top attacking midfielders. They were so integral to their teams. And for two that newly promoted teams that these guys have been playing in 1B as well, to come in and just be able to create those chances for their clubs, it's just invaluable. Because when you get promoted, one of the things is the key is, like, can how can you score? Like, are you going to be able to score goals? And having these two in their team was just like gold dust for them absolute gold dust. it's one of the they are two of the main reasons that both sides stayed up however it's mercier that pips it for us um just ahead of rafa holzhauser i'd never thought that would have happened at the beginning of the season but i think as the season went on mercier was the more consistent one let's move on to our right midfielder and again this one caused this one there wasn't as much of an issue in terms of the amount of players we kind of got it quite narrowed down to two. But to leave one of the ones out that we have just does feel wrong. But the guy that we've put in, I feel like he had to be in there, in my mind. This is kind of my own bias coming in. I think a little bit here. Uh, we went with Gianni Bruno as our right midfielder. And I know people say like, oh, but he didn't just play there, he played X, Y, and Z. We kind of we couldn't really fit him into many other positions because he did kind of play anywhere across the front line. But we stuck him in right midfield as his like more predominant position. 20 goals this season for the 29-year-old. By far and away his best season ever in terms of goal scoring. We looked at the stats just before we kind of finalised this list. And for Zolta he's obviously their top scorer with 20. And second, I think, was Dompe with six. So the disparity between those two is just immense. He was so integral to them having... A reasonably good season this season. And the games where you'd watch them and you think they just look terrible. He was the one that would pop up with a goal, put a couple of penalties away for them as well. Three of the goals were penalties. So 17 from open play as well. Fantastic season for Gianni Bruno. He's getting linked with, uh, I think it's Ghent, isn't it, at the moment, which, as Joris points out to us all the time, that's a very Ghent signing. Someone that's had a fantastic season. It does mean, Joris, and I feel like you need to talk about this man most for all of us, that Ito misses out, which does seem wrong, but. We couldn't really ignore Bruno. Uh,
2: yeah, I feel like I didn't advocate him enough because, like, I still no. This one, I completely don't agree with it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> like, just uh, just throw the listers. Like, yeah, like ito season. Also, like, even in the periods that Hink was bad, then um, he, he still managed to get some uh, some flash. Sometimes um, he also scored ten goals, twelve assists in the regular season. To top that off, then one goal and four assists in six games in the in the playoff and the first goal in the cup final as well, uh, not to forget. So yeah, we could just got. I I, yeah, I feel sorry for him and that I didn't (laughs) fight hard enough for him because I should have done what I just did. Now I should have done it before because I feel like Ito really also
0: had the season of his uh, of his career so far. Scott, back us up on the Bruno.
1: Why did we go yeah. for
0: Bruno again?
1: I think I think it was such a tough one. This I think I think that I think when I was kind of trying to separate going with Bruno orito, I kind of. The, the fact that without Gianni Bruno's contribution, Zelta would have been in, in real trouble and had an entirely different season, that's not an argument you can kind of make in Ito's case despite how good his season was. Um, So that that is one of the things that kind of edged it for me. The, the, the impact between the two is both big, but, you know, without Bruno the impact for Zelta is greater than the impact for, you know, without without Ito for, for for Genk. And I'm not saying you can replace Ito's goals and his contribution. But there there's more of a chance of some kind of halfway house than there is if you take Bruno out of, you know, Zult or that kind of thing. So I think it's yeah, it's a very subjective balancing act that you're trying to, to, to kind of work out there. So again, this is another one a bit like the Conga. Kind of it went it went very late on with our selection, didn't it? And again, you know, on another day we might we might have gone with someone else, but you know, we had a we had a deadline <laughs> um, and you know mr bruno kind of got his got his nose in there first and and yeah so you know honorable massive honorable mention to kind of ito or in Yoris's case massive honorable mention to bruno because he. <laughs> <flap out. laughs>
0: yeah i think it's definitely a case of one of those where like either way it's unfair that one of them has missed out on our team of the season i don't think it's we're not it's like yeah you can't say bruno's better than ito but then again you can't ignore what bruno's done and put when you put Ito in like it's just yeah we had to go with one and we went for Bruno on the other wing uh, I'm sure this will come as no surprise to anyone we have gone with Mr Noah Lang of Club Brugge yeah one of their best players this season arguably their best player this season especially attacking wise they struggled massively at the beginning of the season when he wasn't in the starting lineup uh, but as soon as Philip Clement put him into the starting lineup they started to tick he gave them the edge he played like with the edge that we know he has scored from some fantastic goals, great feet, just really, really driving force for them. Again, it does mean that another Genki has missed out uh, in Bongonda, who himself had a fantastic season. So he definitely deserves an honourable mention. Nicola Storm tried to squeeze his way into the running for this one, didn't it? At the end of that, Scott, I know you have a soft spot for Mechelen, but it just came a little bit too late for good old Nicola. So what, what do you think, Yeah. Lang, easy decision to make.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think he had to be there. I mean, he was he was a candidate for for a number of awards actually, in a, in a few places. And I think it would have been very difficult to 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 leave him out of this position. I think the coming back to the Bongonda thing for a minute. I think again another massive honourable mention there in his case. It would be very tempting, I think, to have both Bongonda and Ito in in our team of the season, and there there is an argument for that. It's almost as if you know, the kind of gank front front triumvirate can't. Sort of be separated. We know how kind of integral they are to to each other's play, um, and they kind of all come as one. So it's 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 tough. It's tough on Genk because you know up at the top end of the park, they've 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 had a really really fantastic second half of the season and an outstanding playoffs as well. But I think you know Noah Lang's kind of contribution and the difference he's made there in his particular position for Bruges, I think, is just kind of can't go go unnoticed. So I. Yeah, it's
2: it's definitely not alone. A few honourable mentions that uh, that haven't been said yet. Uh, well, at least one um, is uh, Tisudali from well both Beerschot and Gent uh, yep. in the end. Yeah. And um, yep. another one is uh, Bali Kwisha as well from mm-hmm. Standard. Mm-hmm. He's not been consistent enough to to really claim this. Tisudali actually the same case, I guess.
0: But yeah, they had, both had good seasons as well. Yeah. No. Absolutely absolutely fantastic seasons for both of them as well um it just does it goes to show guys doesn't it as we've been going through these team of the seasons like we joked at the beginning with yoris's 72 players on a list but it shows how good some players have been and how difficult it is just to shoehorn them into an 11 it's difficult and i know that some people i'm sure if tell talks guys are listening they're like oh we're never getting that yoris on he clearly doesn't fight hard enough to get gank players into the into the team of the season however you can have him on again because obviously up front, Paul Onowatu again, probably actually the first name on our team sheets, wasn't he, Scott? I mean, he, he, his stats speak for himself. If we hadn't have, like, put him in the squad, what's the point of doing it? Just what a season, set records. And in a year when we're looking at the strikers and there have been some really, really strong performances from strikers uh, this season, like there's a whole list of them. And this is probably going to be the longest segment of this team this season because there's just so many to mention, so many to be like honorably mentioned that could have like any other season would have got in but paul ono by far and away the best striker in the league this season no arguments about that one in second striker position we felt we had to go for 4-4-2 because we had to play two strikers again like i just said because of how strong they've been this season we've gone for henry of oh 11 first season in the top flight having been promoted from the second tier top score in the second tier second top scorer in 1a Another fantastic season. Just a pure, pure finishing striker up top. Again kind of him and Mercy are kind of the catalyst for O.H. Levin's fantastic season but Scott pick a name that you want to chuck in as an honourable mention Yoris, then you dive in with another one I mean there's so many to talk about in this position
1: Yeah kind of we're overloaded here actually which is which is nice nice position to be in I mean I think you know I'll throw in one honourable mention uh, Yaramchuk again another another fantastic season he's definitely worth an honourable mention just coming back to big Paul Onoatio a moment as you know our, our first choice striker 33 goals in 38 games His XG Actually Across the regular Part of the season Before the playoffs I think was 22 goals But actually He got 29 In that period Which is You know Far exceeding His XG Kind of targets Which is just unbelievable in itself. We bit of context as well on his season. His minutes per goal across the season were, were 89. So you know he's guarantee guaranteeing you a goal a game. That's how good his season's been and it's just, just unbelievable. We mentioned as well for the, the kind of those aspects of his game that, that he doesn't get given enough credit for. You know, the defensive side, his ability to contribute by putting his foot in as well. You know, big big Paul would be able to play very well as a as a defensive midfielder, I suspect. As well, and I've always thought that you know when I've seen some of those aspects and sides of his game that he doesn't get given much credit for. But yeah, just a- an unbelievable season, and nobody really saw this coming. I mean, he had a good season last year, the year before, actually, when when all said and done. But nobody saw a season like this coming, kind of breaking all of those records. Just absolutely phenomenal. I think. Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think if we're talking about like his like the way he scored his goals as well, even if like you took away the penalty goals he scored, he's. Top scorer, like that's how ridiculous he's been. He scored eight penalties, twenty five from open play. He's massive, but he doesn't always score with his head. It's his feet that do the talking. It's just not much more you can say. He's obviously being linked with moves abroad, and he just deserves it, doesn't he? He's just he seems such a humble, nice guy as well. Like when you've seen him in interviews and off the pitch and stuff, and. He was named the Pro League's player this season because of what he's done. And he just, yeah, that must mean the world to him after, like you said, yeah, like having a pretty solid last season and then coming into this and just completely blowing it away. Joris, as a Genk fan, obviously I know you'll want to add your piece on Onoacha as well. But I do know that you've nearly got all the strikers in the league on your list. So I'm just going to let you go with it.
2: Yeah, like I told you guys before, like even if I had to put a, a team of strikers and 11 of strikers, I would still have issues and disappoints. <laughs> Make a few disappointing choices. So um, I'll, I'll drop one by one, I guess. Frey, for example, really prolific for Bevre. Okay, in the end, it didn't matter to keep them up. But yeah, that they... That they actually got out of the last spot uh, originally was already largely due to him, and yeah, I think that uh, he definitely deserves honor- an honourable mention. Suzuki from Central, I know uh, Scott is a big fan as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he he, he had a really really good season as well. Is definitely, I think yours is right, definitely worthy of an honourable mention. Ugbo
2: from CERCLE like that's more uh, ben, uh, has been a big fan <laughs> in this season. Actually, the the, the, poacher, the poacher, the best poacher of the league. Yeah, hundred uh, percent.
0: As you. Uh, deemed him yeah he's a he's. I wouldn't call him a tap-in merchant that's (laughs) that's probably a bit unfair but no he's he's very good at he's just there he's always just kind of there I think short Ono actually could be a very good poacher as well but he's like a bit more of an all-round game compared to Ugbo but as just like a pure goal scorer poacher Ugbo definitely deserves a mention what a fantastic season again like with Frey and Suzuki in teams that were struggling I think that's just they are catalysts for two of those sides staying up and one of them getting into the playoff.
2: Yes, and then um, well, one more that's more my street uh what I'm I've been impressed with Mitcha Dost because he's also been important for the title win although he didn't make the cut since in the final stages of the season he he wasn't as convincing as we think and uh well we, we are all fan of uh, muleka who we are you already mentioned before even i guess i could add to that list
0: prevoliak from open yep. yeah
2: yeah that definitely also also a reason why open have been never really been in danger fits a bit in that Mm. list, Uh, Suzuki, Ugo, Frey. Nuno da Costa, actually, even, despite Musico actually did get in the 18th spot, but he had a reasonably well season as well. And then, like, he was the one person scoring goals for them. Uh, (laughs) Remember our uh, first the only person. Remember <laughs> our first two months or how how long it was before he arrived. So Musikon's uh tally called it was like three, I think. Uh, we can also not forget uh, the duo at the Ostende, I guess. Mak and Sakala. Mm. I could go on, like I can I can indeed name and I can I... There's so many.
1: I think the one lesson here, guys, for all the scouts that listen to the pod, and we know we've got a few scouts in different countries working for different teams who listen to us, I think the one thing to take away from... Um, from what we're saying here about the strikers is that there are a lot of really good strikers in, in the pro league there the really are, there's, there's a lot of talent there and that that's underlined by the fact that our honourable mentions list for the strikers is, is possibly you know longer than, than any other position yeah.
2: and also another takeaway is that uh, a lot of penalties are given in
0: Belgium so
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, cushioning your stats yeah. a bit
0: as well, like <laughs> I'm bumping of, your stats up. Half of the matches goals I think with penalties but I think with him him. which helps to give them the confidence exactly, yeah. uh, so it's
2: not necessarily it's not for penalties per se I, i'm mm. all for counting them but it's mostly like it's
0: an easier way to bump the confidence also in other aspects of the of the game and he's like he's literally a prime example of that isn't he like you saw as the season went on like he just became so much better maybe not better is probably what you're saying is actually the better word yours he became more confident his running was good like his all-around game was so good and you could tell he was frustrated when he didn't score because like, he's a striker, he wants to score. But in terms of his gameplay and stuff, and yeah, he, he scored a big goal for the Germany under-21s the other night, scored a penalty that I, I saw him step up. I was like, there's no way he's going to miss. This man, I've seen him score penalties for fun this season. He's not missing this one. And of course he didn't. He's been their leading player in the tournament.
2: Put, putting salt in the wounds <laughs> because they, uh, they were beaten twice by the Belgian under-21 squad and still they...
0: Made <laughs> the tournament and Belgium, yeah, gave it away against Moldova. Ah, I believe the mighty Moldovan under ah. 21s. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't do that very well as English, our English team didn't do very well anyway. So maybe we should have swapped with you, been a much more enjoyable. Um, tournament. So that does it. Let me just run through our team again. So, obviously, in goal, we've got Rafa Romo, right back, Clinton Matter, Kasuno and Teato the centre backs, Joris Kembe at left back, Sambi Lakonga doing a defensive duty in midfield with Javier Mercier doing the attacking. Right midfield, it is Gianni Bruno on the left. You know, you know. <laughs> uh, Gianni Bruno. Uh, on the left, <laughs> that's Noah Lang. <laughs> And up front is Onuatu and Henri, which I think is probably one of the tallest strike forces you could stick out there. So get your crosses in, lads, because those boys are going to score some goals.
2: (laughs) Yeah, to be honest, I'm not so sure if they would work well together.
0: (laughs) For the final five minutes, probably. They'd link up well... If you brought Bruno and Langen a bit tighter, I think they'd link up quite well. You could create some nice triangles inside and out. And they got Mercier spraying balls around. So I think this team could do some stuff. But yeah, that's our team of the season. Obviously, if you disagree, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that disagree. Do just chuck some names at us that we've probably forgotten. We hope we've covered most of them, but... I'm sure there'll be one or two players that you think we should have included that we haven't. But I-, I hope you're not giving us any more striker names because there's no more space for strikers. So let's move on to our individual awards and player of the season. We were trying to like, oh, maybe we should try and be different from the pro league and like how they dished out their awards. But this one, we, we just couldn't be different. Paul Onowachu, player of the season, hands down, the records he's destroyed along the way as Scott said like 89 minutes per goal is just sensational isn't it like you can't ask for more than that from a striker I don't even know what else to say about him guys I feel like we've just spoken about him enough congratulations to Paul you are the first ever winner of the Belgian football podcast player of the season awards I'm sure you're listening I'm sure you listen every week and yeah when we get out to Belgium we'll give you like a little trophy to signify that <laughs> guys anything else to add on Paul on I don't think I
1: was I was just gonna say I don't think there's much more we can kind of add it's it's just just an unbelievable season a couple of other numbers you know we've we've given most of them but you know interestingly his goals inside the box 29 of them. Came from, from inside the box. So, what you were saying about, you know, kind of clinical poachy type play, and people always take that as a negative, which it isn't because it's just someone who knows how to be in the right place at the right time. 10, 10 of the 29 goals across the regular season were headers. We know how lethal he is with good crossing, eight penalties. Yeah, and just again, I just want to reiterate that point when we were talking about, you know, exceeding his XG across the regular season to, to such an extent is is unbelievable as well. Just actually, while we're talking, about, him, Joris, I was wanting to ask you about, you know, what, is, what, do, what does he mean to kind of the, the Genki base? you know, how, how have they reacted to the season he's had?
2: I, uh, ecstatic, of course. I, I, the one thing I just want to say, like, Paul, if you're listening, if Genki puts a paper to you, just take a pen and, and sign... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I personally would love to see more Paul Onoatu in the Pro League. I just want to see him in Europe as well, playing for Genk. I just want to keep this front four together with him as the focal point. Take it into Europe. And I just want to see it have to take some teams apart for sure. But we'll be very, very lucky to have another year of Paul Anuachu. Ah, Congratulations, Paul. You're a double Player of the Season award. Fantastic, fantastic year for him. Next up, we have Young Player of the Season. Another guy that we've already mentioned... Again, I think we were kind of in agreement on this one quite quickly. Kosonu of Club Brugge, we've already spoken about and what a fantastic season he's had, stepped into that central defensive role for Club Brugge and he's just been fantastic to the point that they even, like Simon Deli, couldn't even get a look and they loaned him back to um, Prague. That's how good Casono had been. They just kind of stuck him in and he just adapted to the situation so quickly. Also, like, let's just think about what we've just we've listed all those strikers, haven't we? And these are the guys that he's been coming up against and he's shone against. And we've we've agreed that there's some mm-hmm. fantastic strikers in this league. So I think as a young player, what a great league to learn how to defend in? You're coming up against the likes of Paul Onowachu, Ugbo, like completely different types of strikers, Suzuki, Nemecha, like all these different types of players and you're learning how to defend each different one. He's going to go on to do some big things. I think he needs another season here just because I'd like to see him have another season here. But yeah, Again, congratulations, kasano He is uh, the first ever Belgian football podcast young player of the season. Guys, any comments on that one?
1: I was thinking about this, and I think it's worth mentioning as well that last season, he only made seven appearances throughout across the whole season. So he's clearly had a year of sort of bedding in and getting used to Belgian culture. And it just shows you that, you know what I mean, if you give somebody a bit of time and space and then you play them regularly and put your arm around them, have a bit of faith in them, how... how Massively, they can reward you. I mean, this is a young player who's twenty, who is developing fast and improving really fast as well. And again, just coming back to, I was talking earlier about how his, his core defensive numbers, a bit like Kyembe's are very good. He's got a one hundred percent dribble success rate uh, for a centre half, which is which is almost unheard of, and that's across the season. So it, his, his tackling and his pass rate is in the the high eighties as well. So his basic defensive game is just outstanding. And he is he's improving really, really fast. And it's nice for us to for our first young player of the season to be a player who um hasn't won Young Player of the Season awards with some of the other awards that have been doing the rounds recently because there are there are a number of players who probably could have been considered for this, but when we started to look at it, I think he was he was an obvious candidate who perhaps wasn't obvious elsewhere. Yeah, I think he really deserves
2: this. Agreed, agreed. I, I will just give a... You gave all the, the praise already, and I completely agree with that, but I will uh, focus a bit on uh, the outsiders, I guess, for our awards. Kepler is an easy choice. Van der Voort definitely deserves an honourable mention as well, coming in as a goalkeeper, well... We already touched on it. An even more outside one is maybe Conan, and, uh, Conan in Brie uh, from Eupen. There is a lot of polishing still but uh, on him, but um, he's a real good young talent. So, yeah, definitely worth a mention. Sike, as we also touched on already, could also be considered. Just wanted to give these guys a shout as well. Uh, there's definitely also a few other, other players that we mentioned that are falling in this age group. I made my personal cutoff at uh, 21, by the way.
0: That's, yeah. Um,
2: uh, yeah. I think that's, the fair, just for the sake that's a fair number.
0: Um, no, yeah, definitely. Uh, Conan and G's definitely been one of my favourite players to watch this season. For any football manager players, I'm not sure if it always happens, but for some reason, he's always a free agent after the first season that you play the game. So search for him and sign him up because there's a quality <laughs> player there that you can get. Just going back to Kasunu, I think one of the things we have to say on him is just the massive... Kind of shout out to Club Brugge's scouting department because this is a kid that, yep. so he comes over to Sweden from ASEC Mamusa, I think it is, in the Cote d'Ivoire League. I think the Senegal, I think it's Cote d'Ivoire. Goes to Hammerby uh, in Sweden. He only plays nine matches before he moves to Club Brugge. So in those nine matches, the scouts have looked at this guy and thought that this guy's a quality talent. He played, if transfer marks correct, one, two, three, four full 90 minute matches. In those nine matches. It's remarkable that they've picked him up and he's just kind of slotted into what is arguably, like you said, Scott, he only played a couple of games last season. This is his first full season of professional football playing at a team that has just won the league, had one of the best defenses in the division, did pretty well in the Champions League against some really tough opposition as well. Like he got to play against some of the top, top players in Europe at centre back. So I'm not surprised this t- team's interested in him at all and Definitely an exciting player to watch. Definitely one of those players, I think, in a couple of years. We'll be like, yeah, do you remember when he played for Club Brugge and we used to watch him during our first season of the Belgian football podcast? Now look at him, like, all the way playing for X team and X league. Definitely, definitely one to watch out for and definitely one that deserves this award, that's for sure. Manager of the season. Again, this one seemed quite easy for us didn't it guys I think Scott I'm going to hand over to you in a second once I announce it because you've picked out some fantastic stats that really show the impact that this man has had on this club it's a man that we've kind of said when people have asked us a little bit about Oostend they've asked us what players kind of key players can they not afford to lose and we've said players while the players have been great and they've some really quality players it's not the players that make this team do what it's done this season it's the manager so Blessing is our manager of the season gutted that they just missed out on Europe I thought after the season and the work that they'd put in they'd have loved to kind of top it off with that European ticket it wasn't to be but when Scott reads out the stats you'll realise why missing out on Europe would have. it's just not the end of the world for this team considering where they came from
1: Alexander Blessing you know as a lot of people will know came to Ustend from Red Bull Leipzig where he was head coach with the under nineteens there, so he's schooled in a in a very particular modern style of, of, of Gagan pressing which he's kind of tweaked to make his own as well and this is just I suppose the first thing to say about it before we have a look at the context a little bit is how richly deserved this award is you know we know that Ustend for a number of years have been flirting with relegation I, just, I think everybody will be honest in saying they expected the same this season they didn't really expect much of a, a, a different story and as we all know now um, their season couldn't have been more different to what we expected and it is as Ben was saying they are Mostly down to this, this this one person Just to put a little bit of context On the difference he's made We know that some new players have come in as well And they've obviously gelled and connected with him In a way that's been really productive for them But I, I went away and had a look At some of the numbers Between how they've done this season Compared to, to last season Just to, to, to see the output impact of Blessing Last season they scored 29 goals Across the whole season This season 64 So they've more than doubled it uh, which is a Fantastic stat just, just in itself. Their their shots on target are are up. There's a significant increase there. Big chances created across the season have more than doubled. Big chances missed have just doubled as well. Last season they only had one clean sheet across the entire season. This season they've had seven, which might not sound like that much, but in context it is a big change. And another really telling factor here, which relates to the kind of gegenpressing style that Ustend play under blessing, is that their their possession won in the final third has has more than doubled. So, again, this comes back to the work rate that you need to play a gig in pressing style, the intensity, you know, the upping of the tackling, um, the upping of the pressing, their their high-intensity transition play. All of those output numbers are, are indications of a side that not only are playing really, really well as a unit, but are getting some of the kind of core stats that any side is looking for, you know, to just, just an absolutely massive improvement. And another thing I think he, he's, he's, been responsible for that's worth highlighting here that we ourselves haven't talked about it's just the improvement in some of those players and that that's another, another indication of an absolutely fantastic coach, somebody who not only is able to get really improved results but can actually improve individual players and he's definitely improved a lot of the individual players there. One other stat I just want to throw at this because this did amuse me and I was talking to the guys about this before we recorded this evening, I was looking at Usten's disciplinary record this season and last Season and bearing in mind, you know, what it takes to play a Gegenpressing pressing style last season, playing you know, not that style, they ha- only had two reds and 41 yellows across the season this season. They've had five reds and 81 yellows. Now, most people are going to tweet us immediately and go, Yeah, but that's a negative, isn't it? That's not a good thing. Actually, it's a very good thing because this is just a byproduct of a gig pressing style. You know, you're tackling more, you're shooting more. Um, you're winning possession in the final third more. It's, it's you know, it's a negative stat that's actually a positive all-in. And when you put all of that together, it's just unbelievably good. It's unbelievably good that one person can come, come in and positively affect all of those outputs across a club as much as he has. And, yeah, Alexander Blessing just has to be the BFP's first manager of the year. Yeah, just,
0: yeah. Oh everything you just said there, Scott, just sums it up to be fair. Congratulations to Blessing. He didn't just win our manager of the season, he also won the league's manager of the season. And it's no surprise really. Even Roberto Martinez, I think at the award thing, was saying how much he enjoyed watching Oostend play. So yeah, Joris I'll let you have your way as well. Um, not sure there's much we can really add to what Scott said, but what are your kind of thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, nothing to add, actually, really. Like, again, uh, as has as been the, the case during the whole episode, I guess uh, I will just give a few alternatives, mm-hmm. but the blessing definitely uh, stood out for me as well. A few alternatives. Uh, Franke, Wouter Franke, at uh, Mechelen did a really good job after a terrible start in uh, of the season, or a t- ter- start even. Well, into the halfway season, I guess, and uh, to actually get them from from the relegation uh, battle to the Europe playoffs. And uh, Marek Brees, who, with a newly promoted side, definitely also uh, outperformed many teams uh, and the expectations. Yeah, and I would also even mention it's there, I just mentioned a few that stayed the whole season. Losada probably yeah. deserved yeah. Uh, an honourable mention, but then he left. Probably we can also mention company who had a who has grown throughout the season.
0: Yeah, no, I think those are definitely honourable mentions, and I feel like if Hernan Losada stays for the whole season, he'd be right up in this conversation if Beershot had continued to have a good season. So yeah, it's a shame that it didn't. He didn't hang around as long as he could, but I think at the end of the day, Blessing was the deserved winner. Final one before we. Head off Goal of the season So I sprung this on you guys Just before we started recording I was like Let's pick a goal of the season each So Scott Start with you Then your wrist And then I'll pick my one
1: Yeah well I, I went for And you know I, I loved this goal From the moment I saw it Ping in actually It was one of those That got me up out my seat When this one hit the back of the net I've gone for Musa Tilmari's goal For Leuven against Antwerp This was the one Where he took the ball From the throw in And on the turn Curled it into the top top bin, it was just a brilliant goal and that night he had a particularly good game actually, he was looking really really lively and I remember saying to you guys in in, in our group chat when we were watching that game, oh hello, he looks up for it and then shortly after it, he scored that goal. Just, just a brilliant goal, actually. So I've, I've gone for that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I've went for another one that uh, got, Scott excited. Uh, Ito's back heel uh, while running in uh, against Glübirgen.
0: Yeah, just a lovely skill, uh, skill finish. Yeah, no two really good goals there. I went for Massimo Bruno. Against Vazan Beverin. Charlotte were terrible in this game, but he pulled out an absolute scintillating volley in the, like, the last minute to get them back to 1 1. A goal that I feel like we probably, people are like, why haven't you mentioned this one? So we'll give it an honorable mention is uh, Vandenberg for Beerschot against Genk. Just an outrageous, outrageous strike, completely out of nowhere. But if we're honest, the celebration was so much better than the goal, wasn't it, guys? Just the, I always did the worm. Yeah, won, won the goal celebration award. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't know it's up there uh lamb calzi Lam yeah, i know what yeah, you're yeah. alluding to lamb yeah. getting running into the beer short stands and then the was lobbing snowballs at him as he was sat there in the stand that was a really really funny one we were gonna have what we were gonna have like a moment of the season <laughs> award weren't we guys but we decided that would just be lamb Kalzi anyway he has been a moment of this season in every sense of the word uh, so he gets an honorable mention we we could just <laughs> give him his own award every year if he stays in the league because yeah he's nothing if he isn't entertaining. That's for sure. And yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up for our first ever awards episode. Hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope. Yeah. If you didn't agree with us, just let us know who you think. If you've got your own kind of goals of the season, give us a shout out. Potentially if we can find them, we can share some of them. If you do want to see them, we'll find you the YouTube links and stuff like that. Um, There have been some fantastic goals this year. And those are by no means the best that were, but they're the ones that we think were the best for us. And Yeah, as always, Yoris and Scott, thank you so much for joining me on this episode and for this whole season. Um, I'm sure everyone agrees that it's fantastic having you guys with us.
1: It's been a real pleasure. We honestly wouldn't miss it for the world and we hope we've given you a really... Uh, interesting insight into the, the the pain we've been feeling, particularly over the last few days, trying to kind of pin down some of these selections. But yeah, we we look forward to kind of sticking with you um, over the summer and bringing you all the Belgian football news and also covering the Red Devils at, uh, at the Euros as well. We're we're going nowhere. That's entertainment.
0: <laughs>
2: oh. Yeah. No. Okay. I just felt I I, I just <laughs> felt I also had to, to bring some music into this. No. Of course, it was a pleasure. We will be back with a regular episode or more or less regular episode with some updates uh, of, uh, on the league uh, next week
0: probably. Yes and these will be shorter episodes I'm sure unless I think as Joris showed maybe uh, Peter Maas will have a different job <laughs> next week so we'll have to cover that. But yeah I just wanted to <laughs> say a massive thank you to everyone that's been listening to this podcast since I started it a couple of months ago and then obviously Scott and Joris joined me and things really kicked on from there. It's been fantastic to interact with people this season to answer your questions to just kind of connect with people i also want to say a massive thank you to all the guests we've had uh, come on to our podcast there's too many to name we've done some fantastically enjoyable special episodes with these guys and we're hoping that we'll continue to make some more special episodes next season around the european fixtures and just kind of little bits of interest in belgian football that we can find but yeah thanks for sticking with us we hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to so far and yeah hopefully it's only going to get better next season fingers crossed we might actually be able to bring you some content from belgium itself but we'll see what happens and yeah as obviously a special thanks to joseph mcdade for our intro and outro music that we've now been using for most of this season as well as a massive thank you to freelance football ops who we've been partnering with for the entire season if you listen to us you should know what these guys do by now uh, they find you jobs in football which cover writing design video audio and just kind of anything within the football media industry for more information just search for freelance football ops on Google and all their stuff will come up there as you said we'll be back next week with probably a short news roundup episode uh, but in the meantime if you do enjoy listening to this podcast we'd love it if you'd leave us a review if you want to speak to us directly you can find us on Twitter we are at Belgium podcast you can drop us any sort of questions you have there you can also find us individually so if you didn't agree with some of our picks and some of the things we were saying about TV the season you can harangue us there on twitter I'm at benjack94 scott's at scott underscore coin and yoris is at yoris underscore beck alternatively you can also find us on facebook and instagram you can also email us it's Podcast at gmail.com once again thank you for listening to the episode and we'll see you very soon on another episode of the belgian football podcast